Broadcasting live from the inspiring vantage on the plain of Kaladesh, this is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome back to Tap Tap Concede. It just began. Welcome to Tap Tap Concede. I'm Graham, and joining me again is Shivan Bhatt. How's it going, Shivan? Hi, Graham. Thank you so much to, uh, for inviting me again. And, yeah. Uh, it was a great time we had last time, and mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to continuing our talk. Yeah, we're going to finish up with uh, the Kaladesh block by looking at some of the cards from Aether Revolt this time and the uh, real-world inspirations thereof. And um, we uh, actually get to be from Inspiring Vantage this time. Last time we said that, even though it's a Kaladesh card, not an Aether Revolt card, we said that and there was a weird video error that thankfully just lost that and not the rest of that like two hour long podcast. Yeah, it was so, a lot of fun and yeah. it was weird to go into a cold open, but you know, we make it work. Yeah, so why not? Um, let's be why? Oh yes, I was going to say, right, let's, let, let's begin with a crack -a pack but first, see you know better because you listen to the show all the time rather than just say the <laughs> words. Um, uh, Tap Tap Concede is brought to you by Card Kingdom. If you go to cardkingdom.com slash LRR, that puts in our affiliate code, lets them know that we sent you. And um, uh, the, they're great. That's why we have this association with uh, Card Kingdom. We uh, really enjoy their customer service. Their shipping is super, super fast. Um, they're literally where we use to buy singles. They'll ship singles anywhere in the world, sealed product, uh, and board games anywhere in the U.S. if you're into board games. Because uh, we also like those as well, but Magic, also, um, they have their uh, what is it? Their bundle pack right now for uh, Amonkhet, which is like the it's like a it's a booster box and the bundle box and the Planeswalker decks, and it's just it's, it's like a whole bunch of stuff in a great like value bundle. And if you tell them loading ready run sent me button please, they'll give you our little one inch button. Which, uh, they're on their way, the new, because we're out again, you monsters, the new button is on its way to Card Kingdom, and it's a, uh, sort of a, 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 a reprint of, because uh, we can do reprints too, of, um, the first button, which is, I think we're just dead here, but with the, <laughs> the new LRR MTG, uh, text logo, so, yeah. It's, uh, Button Masters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Button Masters 2017. Uh, and this podcast and everything we do is brought to you, of course, by you and your support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. And we, and we really appreciate that. So before we get into talking to Shivan about Aether Revolt, we're going to uh, crack it back. Yay. So let's, let's do that. Oh, and of course, Paul's here as well. And he'll probably be chiming in on the, uh, Hello. On the, on the engineering mic. On the so, ones and twos. Hoi, on the ones and twos. And we rolled an 18. Okay, give me a moment here. Oh man, I was totally going to send you a pack to try to open for this, and I forgot. I heard Heart Kingdom was rebranding to just be the Mox Boarding House now. Uh, well, they have a second location, which is called the Mox Boarding House. So oh. I don't know if they're rebranding both of them because they. Yeah, haven't... I think the online is still going to be Card Kingdom, but yeah. the physical location is going to. Oh, be... interesting! Because yeah. the Card Kingdom in Ballard has Cafe Mox, and yep. then the Mox Boarding House in Bellevue has the other one. They're they're both great. If you're in the area, you should go check them out. Uh, we rolled up uh, Core Set 2010. Ooh, I do love the Core Sets. This one had the Titans in it. Oh, hey, Titans. This is from Jonas from Greece, or John. 
just uh, opened some of his stuff on MailTime recently. Yeah, the uh, 2010 was the first rebranded core set, the first core set to have brand new cards oh, since right. Alpha. Right, of course. Led by uh, Aaron Forsyth, who was your guest last week. Yes. Uh, for the pre pre release, which you should all watch before Amonkhet releases this weekend. Right, this was the tap, tap, this was it, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this was the core set that was in rotation when we started playing Magic. Wow. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so the first up is Rampant Growth. Amazing. Which is, uh, one in a green sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card and put that card onto the battlefield tapped. Then shuffle your library. We don't, uh, the, the card, the card thingy is not working right uh, now. Well, it's, yeah, the, what's, yeah, the, the, uh, the combination of, uh, the Skype and the various other things that are happening oh. are, uh, causing a little bit too much. That was what, I think that was part of the problem from last time. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, fair enough. Well, that's okay. Cause Paul can just look. Yeah, forward, I can so. just throw them up. So here we go. Uh, next up, Blinding Mage is, uh, oh, by the way, Rampant Growth is great. Yeah, it just, you know, you, it's always you good. You always ramp. want it. You ramp, ramp. This is it, why it's called ramping. It it does the job. It's ramp the name of the deck. That's the whole point. Uh, Blinding Mage is a one-two for one in a white, human wizard, and for a single white, tap target creature. It's funny we've, we're seeing a card very like this in Amonkhet. Yeah, but that one's two colorless instead of the one white. But but it's it, still it great. only costs one white to play it though. Mm, it's a one drop. Nice. Fair. So uh, yeah, uh, blinding mage. Uh, tappers are always always good. You can't go wrong, really. Uh, weakness. Wow. Single black mana for a creature enchantment. En uh, enchanted creature gets minus two, minus one. Uh, going back to the old school from uh, Alpha. Very yeah. good card. Does the job. I mean, it's removal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can kill something for you can kill a one toughness thing for one mana, or just make something weaker. Know, we, weaker, man. We've got, we've got. I, so I like the uh, the original art on weakness. It's just kind of a scrawny guy. He's just like, eh. I have a stick. Uh, I love we're getting the because it's the corset. You know, we got like when you talk about ramping your mana, you got rampant growth. We have the original Piker. We've got Goblin Piker. Uh, oh. It's a one and a red for a two-one Goblin Warrior. Just That's as terrible it. now as it was then. That's why two ones for two are called pikers. It's fine. Mind Rot. Two and a black for a sorcery. Target player discards two cards. Once again, fundamental core. I mean, it's a core set. They're all yeah. fundamental core cards. Mm -hmm. The ideal version of every version of this. <laughs> Which also, by the way, is uh, in Kaladesh. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh. Siege Mastodon. Three three for four? Three five for five. Ah. The three five elephant for five with no additional text. Well, flavor text, but it it's hits things. It is fine. Angel's mercy. Pure life gain cards. Oh boy. Two white white for an instant. You gain seven life. You know, I like the version with cycling better. Uh, yeah, that, you could say that of almost any card. <laughs> <laughs> Renewed Devotion, I think, right? From Amonkhet? And, yeah. Like Odyssey or whatever it was originally. Horned Turtle. Everyone's friend, Horned Turtle. 1-4 uh, for 2 and a blue. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it sure stops things. It's a control deck. You put it yeah. there, he sits there, and he goes, yes, I'm here. 
Wow. Mist Leopard. Mist Leopard? Do you remember Mist Leopard? No. It's a 3-2 cat for three and a green with Shroud. That's pretty... Uh, Shroud in the, in, in the core set. Yeah. Wow. Remember, Hexproof didn't exist. Yeah, I know. And now just... Shroud basically doesn't exist. Or they've said that they're moving to Hexproof because well, it makes more sense. Well, because you, you ended up with players always being like... I want to okay, die growth my cat. Well, yeah, now I do this to now I do this to my guy. No, you can't. Oh, oh, check out that flavor text too. I can't claim to hunt all creatures, but there are some things in the jungle that simply can't be hunted. Garrett, oh, clever. Oh, nice. Well, I mean, he does hunt a lot of things. He hunts the weak. Yes. Little little whelp, dragon whelp. Ah, uh, two red red for a two three flying dragon, uh, with. Single red, Dragon Whelp gets plus one plus O until end of turn. At the beginning of the end step, if this ability has been activated four or more times this turn, sacrifice Dragon Whelp. Good standby from Alpha. He's a little baby. If you try to fire breathe too much, he dies. Yeah, so you can get you can make him a five three, no problem. You can make him a six three, but then he dies. Mm-hmm. Or you go Alpha Strike and he just goes kamikaze. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. true, yeah. Just crank it up to Crank it up to 11, quite literally. I have never seen this card in my life. Ignite Disorder. What? One in a red instant. Ignite Disorder deals three damage divided as you choose among any number of target white and or blue creatures. Well, uh, <laughs> that is I've a... never seen this before. Not only is it an uncommon from Coruscant 2010, but it's an uncommon color hate card. Huh. I mean, it's... That's, yeah, I can see why you would never seen it, because yeah. why would they ever, I mean, it's fine, I guess. If Just give me would... combust. <laughs> yeah. Wow, weird. Maybe no thank you. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, levitation. Speaking of no thank you, two blue blue for an enchantment. Creatures you control have flying. Mm. Mm. No. My, my one four has flying now. I would rather take rapid growth. And hey, we got some. We got a little bit of money. We got a couple bucks anyway. We got a Dragon Skull Summit. Hey, it's, it's the uh, land enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a swamp or a mountain. Taps for red or black. It's a good card. Everybody's got thirty of them. It does a job. Yep. We've got a. When I say money, I mean when we started to play the game, these were worth like four dollars. Right, of course. So they're probably worth like a dollar, maybe two dollars, maybe. maybe I don't know. It's still good. It does the job if you play Ooh. EDH or something. We have a so we have a tips and tricks card about Death Touch, with an ad for Zendikar on the back. Wow. Um, I hear a, that's going to be a good set. I'm looking forward to it. We have a swamp, and we have a foil mythic. What? Yeah, it's not one of the titans. It is the Bogarden Hellkite. Six red red for a five five dragon with flying and <laughs> and flash. Yes. When Bogarden Hellkite enters the battlefield, it deals five damage divided as you choose wow. among any number of target creatures and or players. Wow. That's actually pretty great. Spicy. Like I would put that into any deck. I would Yeah. I mean, yeah, I believe it's even in my uh one of my EDH decks that has dragons in it. Uh, if you, can, that thing if is you can get to eight mana, you just... Well, it's it's the commander who, when she attacks, she brings a dragon demon or angel from your hand to play. 
Uh, I forget what her name is. Uh, she's a popular one, but whatever. The thing is, though, if you've just dropped it from your hand for free, it's pretty good. Yep. Oh, yeah, that is not a cast trigger. That is an ETB trigger. Yeah. And then when you start bouncing them back and forth, it's just like hammer to the face. That sounds brutal. I love it. Brutal. Brutal. Well, hey, cool. Foil, Bogart, and Hellkite. Thanks. Thanks, John, for the pack. <laughs> That's a good Appreciate one. it. Cool. So, um, Ether Revolt, if you are, want to be up to speed, viewer at home, listener. Uh, Kalia, that's who it was. Oh, yeah, Kalia the Vast. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so good. If uh, you are uh, wondering what we, or wondering how we got here, there's a whole episode that you, made, you might have missed, uh, which is the uh, real world inspirations of Kaladesh. It's a couple episodes back. Uh, again, with Shivam talking about um, the. Uh, the, the origins and inspirations that are rooted in the actual culture of real-world India that were, uh, that uh, found their way into, into Kaladesh intentionally yep. or otherwise. And um, so there's, there's a lot of big-picture stuff in the last episode. This episode will have a little less of th that sort of things because there's just yeah. less to talk about with Ether Revolt. But, uh, but I guess before we get into it, just another um, quick introduction of who you are and why you are ah. here to talk about this. Sure. And uh, astute viewers will note that I'm actually using a microphone this time, so you can hey. hear me better. Um, so my name is Shivam Putt, and I'm a cultural commentator and former video games uh, employee in the industry. And uh, I talk and write a lot about Hinduism and a lot about gaming. And Kaladesh blocks seem to be a good place for Hinduism and gaming to intersect. So I found that I had a lot of interesting things to talk about. And uh, I'm a big fan of this set. Uh, I've written a whole lot of essays over the past six months. And while I'm looking forward to finally moving on to Amonkhet and seeing what that's like, I think it's really cool to be able to just kind of wrap up this great block that we had and just uh, tell some more stories about it. Like the last time we told a lot of really, I mean, I went kind of deep on some of those things, but this time uh, the thing about Aether Revolt versus Kaladesh is that because they focused more on the actual story from the magic point of view, hmm. there's less like overt Hindu influence in here. But there's still some cards that are uh, pretty interesting to talk about, and uh, some of the legends especially. And uh, I'm looking forward to going over it. Great. Where do you want to start? Oh. Uh, actually, before we start that, I wanted to actually uh, cover some things that some folks had asked me about. Um, oh, yeah. Your uh, YouTube comments. Good call. Uh, That's a dangerous place to go, but go for it. Yeah, I would first like to thank your viewers and listeners for being so kind to me overall. And the feedback we got was really, really good on this. And one of the questions I got over and over is, were there any Indian influences before this set? And mm. one of the ones I wanted to uh, point out was from the set directly before, or two directly before this from uh, Oath called Oracle of Dust uh, from either right. Oath or BFC. Uh, it was in BFC. Do you think you would be able to pull it up, Paul? Uh, yeah, he's, he's on the job. Yeah, so Oracle of Dust by my... A uh, new favorite magic artist, a dude named Jason Rainville, is uh, Eldrazi. It's kind of boring, whatever. It's a card that in uh, draft nobody ever used. For the listeners at home, it's the... Uh, I don't think that's true. Oh, uh, maybe. I, d I didn't like this format, so I didn't play it very much. Oh, okay. Uh, no, no, no. Oracle of Dust was... This is, for those keeping score at home, it's a four and a blue for a three five with Devoid. So it's like... It, or, uh, it costs blue, but it doesn't actually have a color. And... Um, 
You can pay two, put a card and opponent controls or From owns exile, an exile their into their graveyard to loot, draw a card and discard a card. So, yeah, this was, um, I know at least uh, Marshall with his love of value, this was like a late game uh, thing. As, as that, the, as, that was that one of those processors, just kind of a yes. weird mechanic. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. As the set developed, or as the draft environment developed, this, uh, the sort of this, the, the more controlly decks didn't do quite as well, but blue black, uh, blue black devoid control tended to be able to use the oracles reasonably well. But that's and, irrelevant to what you're talking yeah. about. Sure. So the point is, is that uh, the picture is one of the most striking pictures I've seen in Magic. Uh, it's this Eldrazi uh, bright Ulamog style. You know, he's got red body and blue tentacles, but he is sitting meditating on a riverbank. He's got like, you know, this whole ashy field around him because the Ulamog devourers are just destroying everything. And there's like dead bodies around him. And when I saw this card, I like straight, you know, dropped my soda because this is the most Hindu card I've seen in the entire game. Because this is literally the pose of like uh, a sadhu, a mystic sitting on the riverbank, uh, you know, coated in the ash of Shiva in the charnel grounds of the dead bodies and everything, meditating on the temporal nature of life. And the river is going by. It's the symbolic of the river Ganga. It's just like wow. the sacred river going by as this guy is just... You can see he's pouring dust from his hands. The dust is the ashes of the people who are dead into the river, the river leading to salvation. It is seriously the most epically Hindu card tied to a super disgusting looking Eldrazi, who is also amazing looking. Wow. And like, I could show you, I mean, if you Google like Sadhu or Aghori or something, I don't really recommend it because you might run into weird cannibals or tantric people. But the point <laughs> is, in India, you'll see dudes sitting like this with saffron robes or bare naked on riverbanks all the time next to these giant funeral pyres where, you know, the because the, in Hindu culture, we don't bury bodies, we burn them. And when we burn them, they turn to ash and we take the ash and deposit it into the river because it represents being taken away and reintegrated into the universe. You're poured into the river, you get taken, used for nutrients, you get recycled, renewed, reincarnated. And it's like pure Shavis philosophy. And this card was so amazingly resonant and just so perfectly like this picture of Hinduism in a game. And like, you know, even like his mechanic is you draw a card, you gain the knowledge, you discard it, you throw it into the river. Yeah. Because it's like you've used this, you're discarding it, it's going on and it may come back or it may never come back. And it goes. And it's. And it's processing like it's literally exactly. it's, a, it's a eldrazi processor it's literally processing like, Holy that crap, this is so cool wow and it's... like when you see rainville sketches for this you see the different ways he took this and like the perspectives he got from looking top down or around the body of this but and this so this wasn't... was this was an this was an, an intentional choice on his part. i don't think it was intentional but definitely you can see where he got the inspiration from because it's impossible not to if you actually google like the references and stuff <laughs> like the way it's so posed i can't believe that this is just coincidental because right. it's so exactly the story so he was like okay it's an oracle i'll yeah exactly you know all right it, cool well, it's the way yeah the way they've contrived to give the aldrazi a sort of four arms which we talked about last time right uh, and then also its tentacles are sort of in a the sort of cross cross leg sitting stance. Yeah, That's exactly. <laughs> it. He's sitting Indian style. 
<laughs> and yeah, it's like I was just like I had to own this card. And so I went and I uh, wrote to Rainville and I was like, hey, do you have artist proofs of your cards? And this is like one of his first times interacting with a fan like this. And he's like, uh, yeah, I got a stack of these. What do I do with them? And I'm like, you huh. sell them to people. You like sell them me. to fans. Yeah. And maybe you draw something on the back. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, uh, can you draw me a soldier token? Because I have a soldier TDH deck that I'm a big fan of, and all of my tokens are hand drawn. They're either drawn by Watsi representatives or artists from Magic. Sweet. So I have like all of Watsi R and D just drew me a big packet of tokens of soldiers. I should like pull it out and just show you. It's super cool. But um, so he heard that or read it as draw me a soldier. Oh. And it's so as if there was a pause in there, as in like not just, hey, make me a soldier token. Yeah, see, Paul, I sent you a picture of it right here. If you can nice. see, this is uh, me, as in Rainville went to my Twitter feed and Google stocked my pictures and looked it up and then took Mughal-style Indian soldier armor from the uh, 16 or 1700s or something of a pikeman and drew me as if I had been an actual soldier in that That's... era. That's amazing. It's hella cool. And <laughs> That's so cool. Then I discovered he was going to be one of the artists on Kaladesh, and I was like, oh, my God, this dude already knows what he's doing. I am super excited. Sweet. And so, uh, yeah. What, Jason, did, what, what art did he do in the block? Um, let me uh, – I was actually going to talk about that. Oh. So, um, Perfect. Yeah. So let me just uh, – first off uh, – damn it, where did it go? <laughs> Okay. Or I guess, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I was actually going to come to that later because... Okay, please, yeah. However you want to... Because he drew uh, Kari Zev's expertise. Oh, okay. And I wanted to talk to about Kari Zev, Raghavan, and the expertise a little later on because they're right. the coolest parts. But I thought I would start with a little bit of more, like, kind of the holisticness of this set. Mm -hmm. um, there was a white card who is a, a warrior. I'm just scrolling upwards to find it in my visual spoiler here. I'm sorry. My mouse got out of control and went a little uh, bonker sauce. Ah, Solemn Recruit. Uh, the, mm. uh, it's a 2-2 two, two ra uh, rare for uh, 3, which is 1 and uh, 2 white, uh, for the Dwarf Warrior with Double Strike. And right. it's got the Revolt that at the end of your turn, if a thing leaves, it gets plus 1, plus 1 counter. Mm -hmm. It's super good card. But yeah. when you look at it, it's this amazing-looking Indian woman with two hammers in her hands, and her facial expression is super good. But the thing I wanted to draw your attention to is if you look at her clothing and her uh, nose and her, the way her hair is in that kind of very severe bun, which is so typical of middle-aged Indian ladies that I was just like kind of taken aback that like my aunt was on a card. Uh, <laughs> it's like seriously like my grandma looked like this 30, 50 years ago or something. And it's just such a beautiful, iconic card of these guys did such a good job capturing Indian people of all ages and kind of like, uh, you know, statuses. And the way her hair is pulled back is kind of the way a married woman would have her hair, like pulled back in a severe bun tied up like that. It's uh, really just symbolic and representative of what a, like an adult working woman would look like. And I thought it was super fascinating that they did this. That she's just she's, she's a very no nonsense. Yeah, no nonsense. Character, all business. Yeah. And if you've been to India and met any ladies, you know that like middle-aged Indian ladies are the most no nonsense people on the planet. They're just <laughs> like, no, uh, we are not going to spend our time with your trouble. 
This is a problem. We're going to solve it. We do not um, suffer fools. Yeah, that is exactly it. We do not suffer fools. I remember you saying, I'm sorry if I'm jumping the gun here, but just when you mentioned like, oh, my aunt is on a card. I remember you saying also when uh, Rushmi, Eternity's Crafter? Yes. Yeah. I remember when that was spoiled, you were like, everyone has an aunt with that name. <laughs> Literally true. Every single person you know has an aunt who like has a Rushmi auntie somewhere in their family who's just your you know cousin's wife or your uncle's someone someone or whatever. I don't know. Maybe in 1952 it was the most popular name in Gujarat, but everybody's got a Rushmi someone in there. And when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, it's super exciting. That's a real name, and she's a cool card, and she yeah she doesn't look Indian at all. She looks like a. I mean, Magali does amazing art, so you can't really. Yeah, see she looks like an. Elf? She's an yeah, elf, right? She's an elf. Yeah. She looks like a Vulcan, kind of, you know, like a. She dark does, skin. doesn't she? Look like a Vulcan. You're right. Yeah. And you're like, you know, that's fine. She's still awesome. It's okay. And I got super mad when everybody's like, "Oh my God, it's Mishra, just anagrammed." I'm like, "No, dude, Mishra's a real name, and Rushmi's a real name. There are people in India named Rushmi Mishra. That's just a name, because Mishra is a last name." Boy, they must be a big fan of magic. Yeah, I am sure when they Google themselves, they're thrilled. Yeah. Um, Sorry, what was that? Uh, R-A-S-H-M-I. Yes. Yeah. Who we have sat and listened to all the coverage go, Rashmi. Rashmi. And I'm like, no, not Rashmi, dog. Rashmi. Yeah. She's the reason I even made a pronunciation guide, because I'm like, I'm not going to sit and listen to you mangle that all day forever. <laughs> <laughs> But um, Magali does bring up the other card that I want to talk about, Scrapper Champion, which oh, was uh, man, yeah. the best art in the whole set. And uh, for a random uncommon, I swear to God, it must have been for a legend at some point. It had to have been a legendary creature because you don't make art like this for a card that's just, I mean, it's a good card, but like it's a three and a red uh, double striking human artificer that's a two two and it gives you energy when it comes to play and then you can use the energy to give it a counter but the art is this yeah. incredible looking like just soldier she's got like a mech exoskeleton tied to her back yeah agree work and i'm like this is a cyberpunk india that i wanted like this yeah. is hella cool look at it she's got like a pseudo punjabi suit on um I don't know. I think they've got a lot of bigger versions of this art somewhere, but like it was. I remember. I remember when this was when the art was spoiled. Everybody, I mean, I know yourself was, but a bunch of people as well were like, "Man, who's this character?" And right? it turns out she's Scrapper Champion, so she's it's not a, a she's not a okay. character, which is fine because she's terrific in draft. Right. But uh, yeah, yeah, we were surprised that she wasn't like a character because. It was one of the pieces of art that they spoiled. It was, right. it was like, isn't she on one of the booster packs? She's on the booster pack. She was the first piece of art that was spoiled for Aether Revolt as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I think they just realized, dude, you can't keep a lady in a Punjabi suit with a full, like, like look at the filigree on this armor. Yeah. This is like, this is what you would think an Indian cyberpunk or an <laughs> Indian etherpunk, whatever thing would look like. Yeah. And she's got underneath there, uh, Salwar Kami is on which is the standard North Indian garb, right? It's mm -hmm. like a long flowing tunic over pants. And when you look at this card, it's exactly what you think futuristic India would look like. Like she's got this just uh, mecha suit tied to her, kind of like giving her extra arms and the extra. I mean, if I was playing Shadowrun, this would be like three perks right there to have my piker extra arms built onto it. 
But the other thing I want to direct your attention to is in the background that we can see here on this giant one, yeah. you see that there's a tall pyramidal structure right behind her. Yeah. That is, like I told you in Kaladesh, they spent a lot of time doing Mughal-style architecture, which right. is swooping onion domes, which is like Muslim-style. Well, mm -hmm. that pyramid right there is exactly what you would see in a South Indian Hindu temple. And that's so on the left behind the behind yes, the spear, behind okay. Her, uh, behind her pole arm, yeah. it's a tall like gopuram, which is what you call those spires, of a kind of like a triangular pyramid on top of a squat square building, and that, the fact that it's even there in the background, a shows me that she did her homework, but also that Kaladesh really does have this kind of fluid fusion of Muslim and Hindu styles of art, and it was really really cool, especially in this set in particular. You saw a lot of artwork that had more square style buildings and the art director was like, yeah, we did this because we wanted to show it's more of like, you know, the consulate and it's all the revolutionaries and they're all very, Rrr. but also it's a benefit of showing that um, there was, it gives you the sensation that in this world, there are two different cultures that kind of fluidly blended together, mm -hmm. right? And like, that's the thing with India you see is like, in India, there's like seven or eight different architecture styles just smashing into each other because every time somebody comes and takes over, they leave <laughs> their stamp, but they don't take down the old stuff. So you see pyramid buildings next to like Taj Mahal onion domes. And it's nice that they uh, acknowledge that in this amazing piece of artwork. Does the, does the English architecture just look like really boring and shitty? <laughs> compared yeah, compared to of, yeah. compared like, to all that other stuff it's like weird. oh look stone <laughs> yeah it's like well, look it's a call it's columns and a big square office building we Thank have you. we yeah. have brick <laughs> okay. I mean, it's just like you'll go around places and you'll see like you know the famous mosque of muhammad someone someone and like you know the temple to sri venkateshwarayanama and the next one queen victoria station <laughs> and it's just this big, squat, ugly-ass, you know, brick building built to look like London in 1738 or whatever. And, I mean, London it, is is architecturally gorgeous. Right. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of imagining, I'm just imagining, like, transplanting a building from London to this, yeah. like, multi right. multicultural architecture mishmash and I being mean, like, I bet that looks out of place. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you see all the other buildings are made out of like gorgeous marble and everything. And then you've got these just offices that are like stucco and like just rock, like boring, you know, plaster and stuff. And it's like these guys were just not very creative. They were not very – I mean like you went to India, guys. Can you just borrow somebody to build something for you maybe, please? Uh, I noticed uh, I noticed the, the same artist, the Druid of the Cowl. Yes, is uh, another one that's sort of uh, oh, yeah, well, in, that, in that same vein. Yeah, and like one, you also see with the druid of the cowl here, her hairstyle is very fancy braided Magali style. But this one, it also looks like you've got the salwar kameez and the fancy armor on top, and it's just super cool looking. I mean, Magali is also just one of the best artists going on right now. I'm sure you saw her soldier token in Modern Masters. Yes, and it's just like that's what every soldier should look like forever. But um, can you pull up Green Belt Rampager for a second? Oh, this is a sweet card. This is yeah. the uh, single green mana yes. for a 3-4 elephant. Yep. And the way it works is you play it, and when it enters the battlefield, you get an energy, and then if you can pay an energy... No, if you can pay two energy, 
you pay that and everything's fine. And if you can't, it gets returned to your back. hand. So turn one, you play it, you get an energy, it bounces back. Turn two, assuming you hit your second green source, you play it again, you get a second energy, uh, and then it then it bounces back, and then you play it again. And you pay your two energy. Oh, I got the I got I I worded the I got the timing on that wording wrong. It's you play it, then you pay two. If you can't, it bounces and you get one. Right. So then, uh, then yeah. So turn one, you play it, it bounces. Turn two, you play it, it bounces. You play it, it sticks. Right. But it also yeah. activates revolt. It does all sorts of things, and it's an amazing looking picture mm. because it's an Indian elephant with the tiny ears, the four tusks of Arivan, the Indra elephant that we talked about. Right. And it's the coloration of the elephant is a specific gray that you see in India for these elephants. And like, I would, and the way it's tearing down that pillar, the way it would be, is how in India the Mahuts, the the guys who are the elephant uh, guides use these elephants to uh, do lumberjack work in India. So, like, they go around the jungles and they'll be tearing down the trees with their tusks, I mean, with their trunks exactly like this. Oh. So, like, this is super cool because it's, I mean, yeah, he's tearing down a building and it's not very nice for whoever lives there. However, yeah. <laughs> it is super authentic because it's, you can exactly see, like, the dude with the elephant prod behind him just kind of poking, going, all right, go and get it and snap it down. And also, elephants are big and angry, and please do not stand in their way. They, yeah. They hurt. I actually just saw an animated GIF going around last week of, uh, of wow, look at him go. Oh, it's so good. For those, for those only listening to, the, uh, to this episode, I apologize, because we're getting a lot of uh, yeah, this big, is gonna be a graphic big art episode. I'm sorry. Big art on screen. But the, um, uh, there was a, a GIF of, it looked like it was India anyway, of a, some sort of elephant parade and it was uh it looked like the elephant was like swinging its tail around and clipped clipped a bystander and then was just and then like with its tail just just sort of brushed it but then the elephant was like oh there's something there wham and just just like donkey kicked backwards and the guy just went down oh dude those things are not to be messed with yeah no kidding well, it's, I mean, yeah, right? Like, yeah. let me tell you, don't don't mess with elephants. They will wreck you. Like something the size of a laneway house walking right. around. Elephants is, and camels, you don't mess with them. They will this is, again, uh, something that I, I totally love about the Kaladesh setting is the way, you know, there's the all the cool spirals and the architecture and everything, but I guess, I don't know, the influence of the ether or whatever. Yeah. Uh, even all the animals have the same kind of spirals all yeah. over them. Yeah. Their their horns grow into spirals, and their leopard yeah, like the, spots uh, are in spirals. The thriving rhino has it. Yeah, and, the, and uh, uh, even this elephant has you know these sort of spiral markings. Right, on and like it. you yeah. look at like Outland boar, for instance, the uh, two red green four four. That's like you know whatever generic uh, red green dude. He's also just like this big heavily tusked boar. With your, the same spirals you're talking about all over it, and his tusks themselves look like uh, they're just completely wacky spiralistic things. And it was super neat of them to put this here because this is another one of Vishnu's avatars. These ah. uh, uh, one, two, three. The third one was Varaha the boar. And so it's like you don't normally think of pigs when you think of India. Like, you know, people think of cows or elephants or camels right. or whatever. But it turns out in the ancient cultures, uh, boars and wild animals like that had a really big influence on early mythology and early Vedic symbolism. Like the boar, uh, 
the planet Earth is uh, stolen by a demon and submerged at the bottom of the ocean. And so the boar goes down there and grabs the planet with its tusks and swims back upwards and frees the uh, planet and destroys the demon. And you're like, wow. well, how could the Earth get taken into the ocean? But, <laughs> I, that was, that was going to be my first question. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, is because the Earth itself, with its oceans and land masses, is on top of another ocean, the ocean of milk, which Vishnu sleeps upon. He's sleeping on his big giant cobra snake. The ocean of milk you might also know as the Milky Way, because when they looked up into the sky and uh... they saw this big white star field that looked exactly like you know the tides of the ocean they were like look that is the ocean of milk just like we have the ocean of water and that's where these notions of like the milky way concept itself in indo-european uh mythology came from so that that's that, why they call it the milky way that's why they that, that's not like they independently were like oh it looks milky it came from the ocean of milk well, yep. I learned something extra fascinating today. Right. And so uh, thank you, Outland Boar. You were mediocre <laughs> yeah. in the game, but you have a good story. You, were a, <laughs> you, were a, you would never be cut from a red-green deck. <laughs> <laughs> Revelation. I, I think the little passive-aggressive card notes you put up there, Paul, are like my favorite parts of watching these podcasts. Not going to lie. And uh, to the listeners at home, this is hella cool. You have no idea how cool this is. Um, <laughs> Okay, so I wanted to talk for a second about something that really irritated me from this Ooh, set. Okay. Um, because I want to save some of the good stuff for later. Fair. So let's get the uh, annoying stuff out of the way. Yeah. Um, while I look for it, it's in the vehicles. What was it called? Um, Which one was it? Consulate Dreadnought. Oh. Consulate Dreadnought. Oh, right. Oh, dear. Right. Uh, Consulate Dreadnought, for those at home, is the uh, one casting cost artifact vehicle that's got a crew of six and a power and toughness of 711. And <laughs> I, I just couldn't. I, I didn't like, even. I didn't even make the connection initially. I was just like. And to be fair, I heard very few jokes about this over the course of the. My pre-release was full of them, man. Oh. Was, I didn't I didn't go to the pre-release. That's a great point. Yeah, it was just like thank you, come again. Oh, why did you do this to me? So like <laughs> just for, for for the non-Indians at home uh or the non-Americans or non I don't know, Canadians or Japanese. If you've listeners. never watched the Simpsons, yeah. If you've never watched the Simpsons. So in America the chain of convenience, well I guess America, Japan and Canada, the chain of convenience stores that is ubiquitous everywhere is the 7-Eleven. Right, it's you mentioned Japan. It's amazing in Japan. Seven well, Eleven yeah. in Japan is amazing. Awesome. All so Japanese convenience stores are top shelf. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like Japanese Seven Elevens, I would move into if I could. Oh yeah. But, so here's the thing: in America, for the past, let's say, fifty years since about the '60s, when the first Indians came to America and the first immigrants came to America and Canada, they were all, all hyper-educated engineers and doctors and whatnot. And because of, they had to be to get uh, immigration paper stamped to be able to immigrate to America. Yep. So when they came, uh, they were unable to find jobs because their credentials were Indian credentials and not American credentials. And so if they didn't go back to college, they had to find something to do. And one of the earliest, easiest things for... Which, by the way, that's the dumbest shit ever that it's like you have to prove that you're 
that you don't have like a certain it. level of education to get in the country. But once you're in the country, those papers are worthless. Yep. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, oh, you're killing me, guys. But the thing is, like, in the 60s and 70s, these people who were entrepreneurs who were kind of like pioneers for my community came here. They found that there were two things they could do that were like three things that they could do to get into the culture. One was they could drive taxi cabs because all you needed to do was get enough money with your brothers and sisters to get a taxi medallion to get a license to drive a taxi. Two, they could get into the motel industry. Mm. And like, you know, buy these roadside motels and stuff and then just staff them with their family members that they would be bringing over one after another. And then because all you have to do is just clean the motel and maintain it. And then after a while, you just start to make a lot of money and you can buy your brother a motel and then he can buy his brother a motel and whatnot. And that's how this kind of like Patel community kind of built itself in America. And the third thing is they went into um, franchised uh, convenience stores. Like they went into things like 7-Elevens and AMPMs and gas stations. And um, the idea was because it didn't take a lot. All you had to do was get money. And they could basically call all their relatives and friends and say, look, I need to borrow X thousand dollars to license this franchise. And I'm going to live there basically for the rest of my life, you know, running this uh, 7-Eleven right. somewhere. Because they make enough you know, money. I'll, they can I'll buy pay you back in however many years. Right. Yeah. Or I will do better and I'll bring your son over and set him up with one. Right. And then so on. So that what it ended up happening is that there's this stereotype that came about that all these Indian immigrants were basically uneducated convenience store workers because they would come here and they would just be like, thank you, come again. I don't speak English. Please don't feed my God a peanut. Here's a slushy. And um, it's just like the uh, myth misses how hard it is to do that. Like when you're getting, you know, shot up, you're trying to speak your fourth language to sell a drunk kid, like a bag of chips at two in the morning. And (laughs) he's just making fun of you for speaking bad English. And I'm like, Doug, this guy speaks six languages before he got on the plane to come to America. Maybe, maybe chill out about the fact that he can't string together a full sentence to give you a slushy at two in the fucking morning you know <laughs> but because um, which, which he's doing because no one will hire him to do the engineering he's trained to do right? like i know so many of my even in my family there are people who are like you know back home they have master's degrees they have phds and they came here and they're like you know running house cleaning services or running you know convenience stores and stuff and their kids are all rich now and have bmws and go to colleges and stuff because that poor man worked for 40 years in the 7-eleven to put his goddamn kids to school and so when you see like consulate dreadnought with the 7-eleven power they were probably just like Eric Lauer's like, you know what? We haven't used this power and toughness in a while. Inkwell uh, Leviathan's a great card. Why don't we just use that one again? Put it on the dartboard, throw it in there. It's great. But they don't get that. When you put 7-Eleven in an Indian set, the literal first thing everybody but Mark Rosewater thought about was, hey, you know what's awesome? It's hilarious. Look, I'll attack with this, and then I'll just say thank you. Come again. And Now you time- say – you said everybody but Mark Rosewater, but didn't didn't he want to make more of a joke about it? Yes, he did. He made like a blog post that I was just like horrified by because it was like, dog. He, he's like, I wish they had really just like you know made some like something oh, about they the wanted convenience to, he, of it. He, yeah, right. He wanted them to have in the flavor text some sort of joke about how convenient it was. Right. Yeah, and you were like, Mark, dude, come on. Doug, why would you do this to me? This is already a hard set. You throw a Seven Eleven. Like my whole life. I've gotten so many like, you know, insulting remarks and just like, um, I don't know, like just slurs and stuff of like, 
you know, hey, Dothead, go back to the 7-Eleven type of thing. And just, it's like... Wait, which kind of Indian do you mean? Yeah, exactly. Dots or feathers? Or do you mean, like, Slurpees or teepees? You know, it's yeah. like, oh, dude, why would you... Like, every kid under the age of, let's say... Like, every kid over about 20 who's, like, Indian, because now we have different engineering, like, uh, you know... Uh, call center type jokes now but oh, for right. the kids who grew up in the 80s and 90s when the simpsons was the hottest property in the world and you've got apu nahasapita whatever the hell nahasapita like, on. yeah who was voiced by a, an as hari kondabolu said a white man pretending to be my uncle you know <laughs> doing the thickest desi accent you could imagine saying just the most like stereotypical things and it's like you go to school, and these guys are like, "Hey, Apu, how's it going?" And it's like, who actually who actually voices Apu? Is it Hank Azaria? Yes. Yeah. Okay. He does a great job. Everybody's like, "Hey, dude, can you do Apu?" I'm like, "No, I'm an American. I don't sound like that. I don't know what that." <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know what Apu sounds like, but I, yeah. I was just looking at that uh, that blog post, and to be fair to Mark Rosewater, he says he says uh, I would have tried to stick convenient in the name or the flavor text, and then in brackets. Perhaps that is a strong sign that I shouldn't be doing name and flavor text. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Correct. So at least he knows that that was a bad idea. Right. This, is when, like, this is when people are like, he did used to write for a sitcom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but Mark, the 80s were a long time ago. Yeah. Like, well, this isn't Roseanne anymore. We, we can't get away with some of this stuff. Uh, you know, he did write me a nice note afterwards apologizing. And uh, it was really cool. But it was just kind of like, oh, Mark, yeah, yeah bye. <laughs> you this walked right into it. And seriously, like at the pre-release, like people were not looking at me or nothing, so it wasn't directed at me. But right. you could definitely hear people were just like everybody glommed on to like, it's yeah, a 7-Eleven joke. It's not like people were, yeah, it's not like they were directly insulting you personally, but it, it is that sort of that background noise that happens yeah, when it's, it's just like, this is it's the this... buzzword of the day the microaggression mm, and oh yes it's just it's like it's super frustrating because we don't need to be there it's like no it's and like to assuage the commenters no i'm not going to tell people to stop making their jokes or whatever i'm just saying if you're putting it in an indian set think about it mm. like inkwell mm -hmm. leviathan is one of my favorite cards ever like i love playing big old six seven uh, eleven shroud giant super <laughs> thing but Maybe maybe not the Indian set. Same way, the Oath of a Johnny, maybe not the Indian set. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was just like, that was like one of the few real, like, just, oh, you guys just didn't even think about this. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was just a complete, like, oh, I know you didn't think about this at all, even remotely. And like Winding Constrictor, the other, like the marquee card for the set, right? Yeah. That everybody loves, and I love it. It's like amazing, super fun. Except Boa Constrictors? are native to the American continent. Really? Yeah. In India, we have cobras. I knew that. Right. Like, but constrictors but... themselves are like the American Southwest. Huh. And, I mean, I, I don't know why they themed it as a constrictor. They didn't need to be. It's like... Yeah, it it just, been, it's just a snake. It's it just, yeah. It could a snake. But, huh. like... I bet that was when they were doing the names and everything. They were like, snake... What's, uh, what's how do we call it? Not a like. What's another word yeah, right, we can exactly. use? And they probably just like constri constrictor. Yeah, snake. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, the flavor text guys. They're all Americans. They were probably just like, what's yeah. this crazy scary snake? A constrictor is a scary snake. It is a scary snake. Yes. Yeah. However, you could also go and 
Google what snakes are in India because we have a lot of them. We even have snake charmers who sit there and go, no, 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 no. And it, it, I mean, I'm glad they didn't put any snake charmers. At least I was going to, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> at least, at least there's that. Uh, oh, winding constrictor, you could have been just perfect. Um, but like, going elsewhere into the gold cards, the gold cards are actually really good in the set for telling stories about mm -hmm. because they seem to have the most like stuff like rogue refiner, who is a pretty good, solid, just uh mid tier draft card. The one green, yeah, three pretty like playable. It was, yeah, it's yeah. that one, one green blue for a three, two when it enters the battlefield, you get two energy and draw a card. Exactly. Yeah. And it was like, this is fine. I yeah. was never, it was never enough to pull me. If I was in one of those colors, it was never enough to pull me into the second like, color. If you were in green, blueish. If you're in green, sorry, blue. Up. Sure. He draws you a card, gives you energy. But yeah. he also looks exactly like what you would see in not real India, but in the India of our fables and comic books. Really? Uh, like, yeah. So when I was growing up, I had an Indian version, like an Indian comic book about the um, the hundred, the thousand and one uh, Arabian Nights. Right. right? Like, so. And one of those stories is the story of Aladdin going into the cave to, you know, try to find the lamp. Or was it Aladdin? I've never heard of this story. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Aladdin. Aladdin. But looking, looking for a lamp in a cave. Yeah. Oh wow! Actually, now that you mention that, right? It's like he's got the little bulb there. I mean, but the thing is, this is exactly what that story would look like in India. Like in the comic books that I have. This is the kind of dude you see. He's got a vest on, which is a very standard Mughal-style green vest with the golden filigree and threadwork. And he's wearing, like, these pantaloons, which, by the way, pantaloon, uh, it's a Hindi word. Um, and huh. these are, like, these flowing, like, dhoti-style pants. And these, like, totally looks like what an Indian version of an Arab would look like. And I was just like, that's hella neat. It looks like exactly like what you would think from, like, the 1001, like, you know, Alibaba or... Uh, actually, yeah, I think it was Alibaba, not Aladdin. But mm. yeah, it's like it looks like the Indian version of an Alibaba story. He's got curly hair and a mustache, and uh, it was just great artwork. I was a really uh, Victor Adam, who did that, is also the guy who did um, Girapur Gearcrafter. Oh, so, right. Like, it's funny because he's always drawing like uh, yes, there's Alibaba for <laughs> good old Alibaba. Oh, right, is also a magic card. And... Tap target wall because he. Opens balls, oh, I guess. <laughs> hey, dude, you know what? He was really good in uh, top down design. My... Yeah, 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 right. Top to top down design. Yeah, like against my control deck, which had a lot of walls in 1993. He was super good. It was really annoying. Uh, but yeah, like I was actually going to suggest if we didn't uh, pick the inspiring vantage to pick desert from Rubia. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Gearpur Gearcrafter, one of my favorite cards. Just the art is so perfectly Indian. But Victor Adam, when he's drawing these, he's like drawing Mexican people, but ethnic Mexicans look just like Indians do. So it fits and it works. And that dude's hair is as desi as you can possibly get. It's got oil in it and it's like parted exactly the way someone mm -hmm. from my father's generation would have parted his hair. Um, and he brings a friend who's a thopter and you can't go wrong with thopters. No. Uh, yeah, so... Um, what like, else was in your nitpick category? Or was it mostly the Seven Eleven? No, just the Seven Eleven okay. and like the Oath of a Johnny. But we talked about that a lot. We talked last about that last time, yeah. Yeah, and um, so instead, I guess I will kind of bring this up with the best card in the. Oh, ooh, how about Malthus Revolutionary for a second? Because she looks super badass. 
Mm. Yeah, I don't yes. have a lot to say about her, but the colors on her uh, clothing are super, super cool. Like the combination of copper and green is a very yeah. traditional kind of South Indian color combination. Mulfus Revolutionary is, uh, as a reminder, is the uh, three three for one green green with trample, which is already sweet. And then whenever she enters the battlefield or dies, you can give target creature or player uh, another counter of a type it already has. Yes, which I'm sure would be pretty good in this new uh, one one negative one negative one standard we have. Yes. Um, but like, if you look at the way her clothes are draped it's got this like oh dude it looks so good when you zoom it up like that oh wow yeah uh, it's got this um hint of a sari the way the the saffron copper overcloth is kind of wrapping around her is exactly the way you would see on a north indian style sari with the palu going around the backside and dry i'm sorry the vocabulary words the palu is the long part of the sari that goes over your shoulders and goes around the back and so it basically looks like she's wearing a full sari underneath this uh, filigree mecha armor. Now, that's amazing. I don't think it's practical, but it looks amazing. <laughs> but the other thing I want to bring your attention to now that we can see it super zoomed in, is if you look at her fist that she's got there, the, the mall fist part of the fist, right. uh, she's got this tattoo work on there, which is actually just henna that you see on women when they're uh, doing weddings. And they have the decorations from the henna that like dries into this red kind of artwork on their hands so it's really just uh exotic and pretty this this art is great like i'm a big fan of this artwork i've also i've also only just noticed that she's left-handed oh yeah that's taboo that's super neat in really? indian culture um like most cultures being left-handed is considered uh worse than being right-handed because right. also uh in india when you're going to the restroom you uh there these holes in the ground basically kind of like latrines and you wipe yourself with your left hand and you're when you're eating you eat with your right hand like if you're eating indian food with your left hand that is super dirty don't do that uh, just a pro tip to if you're ever going to an indian restaurant or indian home eat with your right hand because your left hand is what you use to clean up after yourself so hmm. to go with a left when you say hand, an indian, when you say indian restaurant you mean an indian restaurant in india well i mean if you want to be nice in America, but I don't think the Americans care. I think I was going to say I was like I don't think the money. like the there's a there's a great place down the road here that I don't think is going to give a crap. If... <laughs> yeah, most of these Indian people do not do not give a crap. With it. But if you're at, if you're invited to somebody's home to eat food, uh, use your right hand and not your left hand because mm -hmm. in India we eat with our hands. Um, now, now it's it's, just, it's possible. I don't know if she is left hand because if you think about it. Her the hand that has the stabby thing on it yeah. is completely like it's like attached to it. Maybe yeah. she's maybe she's left hand or maybe she's right handed and has the thing on her left hand so she can actually like do something with her right hand. Oh, that's a good I guess. <laughs> I would if I had that thing, I'd want it on my on my right. I don't know. Anyway, but sorry. Is, uh, now is it um uh, is that uh is that bathroom setup still the case? Yes. Or Okay, because I was going to say, or is that just sort of like a holdover where it is considered rude to eat with your left hand because it used to be thus? Oh, no. We, but... it, my dad put in a Western toilet like this year into our home back in India. Wow. Just to, because of the sake of my wife, because she's an American and they don't poop on the ground. But um, no, the, the bathrooms in India, they never 
it's weird. Like you'll see dudes with full cell phones and like HD TVs and going to the outhouse in the back where they have to flush with a bucket of water that they pour down themselves. Because, you know, uh, we huh. got modern technology and never got to plumbing. It's it's like uh, it's like when you're playing Civilization and you get jumped ahead technologically, but you forget to learn how to research the wheel or something. Of all the things that the Brits, I would have thought that they would have been like, no, 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 this will not stand. Yeah, it's like, let me give you sewage and plumbing, please. No, never made it to us. Huh. Um, and you're just like, why? The best thing they could have given us was flush toiletry. Why did you do this? But... Uh, yeah, this is why we don't go back to the motherland. Um, Fair. anyway, <laughs> with that, with that aside, um, can we go look at basically the best card in the entire set? Kari Zev. Oh yeah. The Skyship Raider. Sky Cause... Pirates. Sky Pirates. <laughs> Kid sister and me. <laughs> so Kari Zev is a uh, one three for one and a red with first strike and menace. What an interesting combination on a 1-3. And uh, then she has this other ability that whenever Karyas have attacks, you create a 2-1 token legendary, I think? Yes. Yes, a 2-1 legendary token named Raghavan, uh, also tapped and attacking. Uh, she is it's, basically... It, it's uh, also a monkey. Does it say... It says monkey, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, she, it's basically... She's basically uh, Geist of St. Traft uh, Jr. <laughs> but... Um, a lot, Junior. But also, it's the best card in the whole... Like, seriously, it was the last card they revealed in the entire set. The day before they revealed yeah. Aether Revolt, Allison, uh, the CEO, the community manager for Watsi, uh, she pings me on Twitter. She's like, Shivan, you're not going to believe it. You need to see this card. It's going to be so amazing. I'm like, Allison, you have let me down so many times. What could you possibly have? And she's like, it's a monkey! And <laughs> I damn near lost my mind. When when uh, when this first showed up on the at the pre pre release, uh, I believe we once the the first time somebody actually played it and attacked with it, so that the the token came out. Mm -hmm. uh, the entire game stopped while we analyzed the token to see uh, what kind of goggles the monkey was wearing. Yes, he's wearing little <laughs> goggles. He's wearing little goggles, and they do nothing, and it's amazing. So let's talk about Karizev because she is incredible. First off, she looks exactly like what you would think a 14-year-old Indian girl would look like, right? She's got, like, the face, the nose is aquiline and kind of smoothed over. She's got the hairstyle that's super just youthful and yet the long sideburns that you see out of a Punjabi person. Her gear... Like, you can see there's the tiny medallions on her belt, which is exactly the way a Rajasthani peasant would have, like, her jewelry and her money and her dowry just hanging over her body. But And, like, if you look at the way her clothes are draped, like, it's a tunic, so it's not, like, a sari or anything. But because of the lines of the tunic, you can see it going up and over to the left, imitating a sari's palu, like we talked about in the other artwork, mm -hmm. and also has, like, the benefit of being practical because it's bound by those uh, belts and stuff and it just it's so perfect like this is exactly cyberpunk pirate you know India that I want this is like skies of Arcadia if it was set in India instead of Japan yeah so it's like I feel cheated that <laughs> they gave us a amazing spy, sky pirate with a monkey and did nothing with it like the, where's that Kaladesh, right? Like, that's the Kaladesh I want. Like, 
spice trading sky pirate monkeys, dude. That's what I want. That and, sounds rad, honestly. Like, think about it. You would have, like, people going pirating from Arab ports to Indian ports, like, looting and taking, like, using the pseudo-monarch mechanic to take spices from each other or something. I don't know. I just want I want battalions of, like, Kari Zevs to fly down and just thug people, and it would be amazing. Um, can you pull up the Raghavan token for a second? Because Raghavan, first off, is the most authentic Indian name ever. It's, like, super Tamil, but it's a name for the Lord Rama. And... Uh, I was blown away because they got an actual macaque, an Indian-style monkey with the you know white fur and the black face to uh, look to use as a model for Raghavan. And when you see Raghavan, he's basically like an old monkey. And you can tell he's just sitting there like sighing as she makes him go and do all these crazy things over and over again. And he's just like... He's, he's seen some <sighs> shit. He's like, I promised your parents I would keep you alive. Okay. Here we go again. Oh, man. I, w- I, I want to hear this story now, too. Right. Like, you just look at him, and you could tell this guy was like, like, Kari Zev is running away to go become a sky pirate. And her dad, like, you know, Zev Tamilnathan or whatever, he goes and says, Raghavan, you've been with our family for a long time. I need you to make sure she doesn't die. And Raghavan, who has been there, you know, serving this guy and his family forever, is sitting there going, oh. Because she's like, you know, crazy wild child jumping off right. buildings and aladdin her way around town. And he's just like trying to keep her alive. And you can see the guy's like Sid from Final Fantasy or something. He's just like biting down on his cigar when they're not looking. And he's just like, here we go again, guys. I want, I go. now I want, now I want Carrie Zev and Raghavan. Right. Uh, I want to be. Of yeah, I, I want that to be. I want that to be a Disney movie. Which is to say, I don't want Disney to make that movie because they <laughs> would f it up. But, but I, I want it to be a Disney movie. Right. Think about how amazing. And like when this guy came out, and I was like, why is there not a gigantic sized version of this card that I can trade my Dapala for? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, girl. For those uh, for those listening at home, Shivam accidentally knocked over the giant uh, Dapala card he has in the background of his shot. Uh, you just blocked the rest of the room off. It but, was great. Uh, no, it's just the t- the it's just, just Dapala thunk. Whoops. Anyway. Yeah, but Raghavan is basically the perfect card. He's a token legendary creature monkey. His name is Raghavan. He's a macaque. He's got goggles and he's on a pirate ship. The uh, the carry. <laughs> He's so good. He looks on I on on uh, Carrie Zev's expertise. Yeah, he's, a, he's 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 at like the prow of the ship with the goggles, and he just right. looks looks he like looks he's terrified. having a blast. He's just sitting there going like, "Oh no, no!" <laughs> like you, I mean, you can tell this guy has just like been through it, right? And he's just sitting there, and he's like, "I'm a oh, monkey. No. Why am I in? A, why am I on a skyship? And why he's is just this like, happening?" Please, I've told you so many times. Follow the speed limit. And she's like, "Here we go." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jason Rainville drew this card. The card is oh, the right, card. yes. You mentioned, you mentioned that at the beginning. Yeah, and so you can see on this card the way she looks. She looks even more Indian in this picture. She's got a talwar in her hand, which is an Indian sword, the curved kind of like it's a scimitar but thicker. And um, hmm. if you look at all these ships, they've got that same kind of curvy, fluidic architecture that you see in all of Kaladesh. But she's got that beautiful Salvar Kameez tunic on. And then she's got terrified little Raghavan in the background <laughs> and this is like to me this was the best thing to end this set on it's just like 
she's such a perfect card. He's such a perfect card. And this is such a, this triumvirate of card just makes me really happy. Mm. Like, it's just like, ah, look, they got it. Maybe when we go back to Kaladesh 2, it'll be Kari's Evan friends. And I really, really hope so. That would be rad, yeah. Yeah. There's uh, actually, you you probably have seen this, uh, but there's there's an amazing article. Um, If you do a, I, I, I can't really, Put the URL because it's a really long URL. But yeah. if you search for art in focus, Carrie Zev's expertise. Oh yes. There's an amazing article uh, written by uh, uh, Jason um, that goes through showing all the uh, reference photos he had. Uh, yeah, he made posing, a gift that was like he, f- posing photos that he took with uh, a woman posing in the in the positions. Uh, do different poses that he tried, uh, you know, color tests, all sorts of stuff. So clearly he was uh, uh, working really hard to make this look amazing. Wow. Yeah. And it, the gif he does of all the ships kind of flying in looks like uh, Star Wars when they all come out of warp and they're just like, park. And it's like, it's awesome. How, how fast can you go on ether? Pro- probably pretty far. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I figured I wanted to end with one more card. Uh, Windkin Raiders, which mm. is a card that uh, I don't remember ever seeing in the game, but I'm sure it exists. Uh, the four and two blue fourth. Oh, yeah, with uh, Improvise, fly- right? Improvise Flyer. Yeah, I believe me, I saw it a bunch of times. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, My opponent had it. <laughs> some of us don't draft all the time. Some of us live vicariously through you, Graham. Um, Welcome to Loading Ready Run. <laughs> uh, yeah, these yeah these could be a could be a real beating. So um, yeah, the reason I wanted to bring this card up last is because the artist Shreya, Sh- Shreya Shetty is an actual Gujarati. She's just like me, and this and the Scrounging Bundler are the two cards that she did in the set. And I believe she's actually new to Magic as well. Uh, oh. She was trained by Donato, who did the card Cartographer, which is one of the finest pieces of art in uh, Magic. But this card, if you look at it, it's a two little twin kids flying around. And you can see in the background, it's got the, again, the Gopuram that I was talking about, uh, mm. like the Minakshi temple style architecture of this big square uh, temple in the background. It's got this kind of really tight streets, which is exactly what you'd see in India with these beautiful colors and everything and these two kids and their wings are basically the way our kites are in india so like with these beautiful filigreed kind of frameworks and like the thin paper looking kind of vibe to it and it just it feels exactly like two kids running with kites down the main drag of the street during the big kite festival and it was super happy it's super vibrant and it feels like a living kind of india you know, yeah. and um, actually, with that, I want to end with basically my favorite card of all time. All right, uh, Ornithopter. <laughs> the the new one. Yes, the new Ornithopter from uh, Aether Volt Block. The now the regular one or the masterpiece? Yeah. Well, I mean, I love the masterpiece, but show the one from the set because so this one matters. First off, Ornithopter, best card ever. It's <laughs> Mox Orny in this set. Don't hate. Uh, <laughs> But here's the thing about the Ornithopter. Uh, if you look at the way it is in this set, it is a kite. You can see there's a little girl there with the Ornithopter on the string. She's holding it, and it's got this big like framework. It's got this kind of like things. It's just flighting around. Because in India, kite culture is huge. Really? 
Yeah, so uh, I'll end you with one story here. So uh, in North India, where I'm from, in where my family is from, in Gujarat, the far western state, Mm -hmm. we have this festival in February called Makar Sankranti, which is, uh, they call it Patang Festival, which is the kite festival. So what happens is it's celebrating like the beginning of spring or the end of winter or something. It's Mm -hmm. like a harvest festival. Right. But what it means is, okay, so you've seen the movie Aladdin by Disney, right? Yes, I have. So in Aladdin, they've got all of these buildings that are next to each other, kind of like built one with no spaces between the buildings so that you can hop from rooftop to rooftop. And right. all roofs are all these verandas with low walls. You can kind of jump over to your neighbor's house. Mm-hmm. The city of, Var- of Varodra that I'm from has that. They're all like these kind of mazes of like tiny little streets, these tall buildings that are like apartment buildings, and the rooftops are all flat and conjoined, so you can jump from roof to roof. And you could go the whole city and almost never touch the ground except for where the big intersecting streets are. And during this holiday of um, the Kite Festival, at nighttime, when the sun goes down, you'll see all of these houses will put up gigantic stereo systems, like huge, big, booming speakers the size of this card here, or like stacks of speakers like they're going to a concert. And they'll start playing like religious music or like Bollywood music or just thumping dance music. And all the families will go up onto all of the rooftops with piles of paper kites. These kites are paper thin made out of like um, tissue paper almost, not like the tissues you sneeze with, but the kind you use to wrap gifts with. And they'll be on these like wooden frameworks of these thin wooden dowels that are kind of like um, almost twig thin. They break super easy. And they'll tie them with these kite strings. And these kite strings will be um, twine that when it's uh, rolled up in a ball is run through pink or purple or blue paint and then run through fragments of uh, broken glass, like glass dust on the way through. And you're like, why would you want a ball of twine that is brightly colored and coated in glass. I think I've heard of this. Good question, Graham. Yeah. Because what happens is these kites cost almost nothing to make. You get crap tons of them. I'm sure if I looked around, I could find one for you. But um, what you're doing is you're flying these around, and your neighbors are flying them around, and there's millions of kites in the sky. But because you're... uh, So your kites will get tangled with other people's kites because there's crap ton of them, right? but your kites have these glass strings on them. So you tug really tight and whoops, you snapped your neighbor's kite. And suddenly you've got another kite. And so it becomes this gigantic, like bombastic game. You're playing with all of your friends of just trying to cut their kites and grab them and restring them up and throw them up in the air. And because everybody's got thousands of them, you're just passing kites back and forth. Maybe there's a cool pattern on one. My dad got me one that's like Yoshi. <laughs> Mario writing on the back. Somebody took like a Yoshi tissue and turned it into a big giant flying kite. Wow. It's like, it's all these crazy, like filigreed, beautiful artwork, you know, characters from Disney or Nintendo or video games. All of these things on these kites, they'll just throw up in the air and just try to hack down other people's kites. And you could tell who they are because you could see the color of the string. And you could see that, oh, Chuck and Bayou across the street, I just janked his kite, but he's going to take mine next. So who knows? And because it's super easy to restring them and throw them up again. And then you'll have these paper mache um, balloons, not balloons, um, gondolas almost, like a big paper dome. And yeah. underneath it, there'll be a little uh, cup with fire in it. And the fire will heat up the light and make an air balloon that'll go up. And so as the sun sets, these giant flaming balloons will go up to light up the city. So you're hearing thumping, loud party music, million kites and giant flaming balloons of paper going up to light up the town almost like this beautiful cyber like this anime almost 
That sounds amazing. It's incredible because you just jump from roof to roof. You eat other people's food and hang out with them, hang out with their family, their cousins, because they're all family. You all know everybody. It doesn't matter. And you end up somewhere far on the other side of town, hanging out with someone you've never met before, flying kites and hacking other people's kites down. And it's the greatest thing in the world. That sounds phenomenal. And so when you look at this card, that was my thought. Everybody's like, oh, no, Ornithopter's in set. And I'm like, no, my childhood is in this set. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. That's I never noticed it was a kite. You're totally right. It's perfect. That's so cool. I, 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 I'd, I'd heard of the glass dust on kite strings as like, well, I'd heard it explained as like combat kitemanship or something. Literally that, but yes. The, but, well, the, I, in my head or the way it's described is like, well, you got one guy and another guy and then we'll try to cut the <laughs> other one's string. But what you've described sounds phenomenal. It's, it's a party. It's not a, it's not like a combat. It's a party. But I wanted to show you one last thing. Uh, this is Orny, my pet ornithopter. Nice. Uh, That's huge. Yeah, you might have seen them from pre-releases. Oh, right. The stores got those, didn't they? Yep, the stores nice. and uh, certain nerdy fanboys of ornithopters. <laughs> um, Man, we got to get one one that size. I can yeah. mail you After, one. I have an uh, extra that's unpunched. What? Uh, I, I would also like to say... Uh, from just like a, uh, I guess, flavor or design perspective, it always kind of bugged me that like a soldier mm. or whatever is like a 1-1 one, one or a 2-2 two, two or whatever, right? Yeah. And an ornithopter, right? Yeah. Zero, zero, 0-2. Yeah. Like, look at the size of this thing. There's like a little bird in the corner there, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, a 0-2 should be just like a kid's kite. Like, it's not supposed it be. to be... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Anything and, that big should have at least some kind of... <laughs> right. I mean, if you pull up the Masterwork Ornithopter, it's this beautiful looking thing. And I need to get one. I have, like, super regret not buying it from GP San Jose or whatever. But Ornithopter is, like, my favorite card. I'm not going to lie. You put it in a deck with... Uh, so, I will end with one combo from 1994. Um, if you have Ornithopter and Ashnode's Altar, which is a three-mana artifact that lets you sacrifice any uh, artifact and get two colorless. Yeah. And then you have a card called Enduring Renewal, which is a white enchantment that makes you play with your hand face up. And uh, if a creature leaves play and goes to the graveyard, it comes back to your hand. And uh -huh. so what you do is you uh -oh. just pitch Orny <laughs> over and over again to uh, the Ashnode's Altar and then hit all 15 people that you're playing with with a gigantic fireball. <laughs> it's pretty great and uh yes it's a four card combo i don't care <laughs> it's ornithopter ornithopter is great everybody should love it and ornithopter and hope Girapur in uh aether revolt were so nostalgic for me both as kites and as ornithopters mm -hmm. that i was just like all right all right kaladesh i had problems with you but you're forgiven you gave me a masterpiece <laughs> ornithopter i can't complain <laughs> I, uh, I also I, I just want to say uh, uh, before we go, um, I you you mentioned it uh, just briefly that the cartographer was an amazing card yes. in terms of art. I had not so this is a this is cartographer. Yes, it's oh, wow. it is quite pretty. Uh, the full size art for it is amazing. Wow. Right. Like, that's why it's considered one of the best pieces of magic art ever. Because when you look at this card, all of the maps are actual maps. That's it's not insane. just like the scrap. It's like the lighting, the perspective, the, uh, I mean, you know, Vorthos Mike could write a book on this piece of art alone. 
but it's one of the single greatest piece of art in magic on a card that's super good in EDH and Highlander. And, uh, yeah. So and, yeah, no, the, the woman there, like her, her like sweet leather jacket or whatever that she's, she's right? wearing and stuff. Look at yeah. this. I mean, just look at the way her hand is sitting there. It's amazing. Wow. Like this card is like one of those ones where you don't look at the detail until you do. And when you do, you're like, how did I miss this? And yeah, it's, it's yeah, phenomenal I, card. I'm not, Honestly, I'm that familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess I should tell you what it does. Yeah, for it's a 2-2 two, two, for two and a green. When Cartographer comes into play, you may return target land from your graveyard to your hand. It's good with your strip mines. Yeah. It's good with your fetch land. It doesn't Sweet. matter because it's gorgeous. Yeah. Wow. Now yeah. I, now I want to get one. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. by uh, Donato Giancola. Um, Don't get this version. <laughs> <laughs> no. That guy's fine, but, you know, it's not quite the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remembered one thing I did want to talk about. So uh, the aforementioned Allison. This will, be the, this will be the last, last thing. Yes, this is absolutely the Of last all thing. the last things. <laughs> this is the, the third encore of my last encores. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention this one thing. It's not on any of the cards, but um, so... Allison wrote the stories of Yaheni, which mm. were some of the best stories in the uh, block, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, one of the things that they did when they were creating the Aetherborn was the Aetherborn were the Hindu element in the set. They were the we live, we die, we are recycled and reborn again as different Aetherborn. And it's one of those things that people don't see because it doesn't matter in the cards. It's in the stories, but it's one of those like nods to the theology that I was really happy to see them integrate into a way that felt both magic and respectful of the culture. And uh, it was super neat. It's If you haven't read the stories of Kaladesh Block, they're phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, the, this, yeah. All the, all the uh, magic sort of in-universe stories, articles, all the in-universe fiction has been really good. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, so, um, yeah, no, Kaladesh Block, uh, I love it. It's my favorite set of all time, the uh, Kaladesh itself. And Aether Revolt, not as good, but they're still good there. I think, ultimately, the set was super cool. I look forward to them going back. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed my stories. Yeah, I had a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, really appreciate you uh, coming on and um, uh, wrapping up the rest of the block. Absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully everyone at home enjoyed it as well. Cool. Uh, uh, where can? So yeah, no, no problem. Um, where can people find you if they want to uh, learn more about this or talk to you some? Ah, so uh, you can go find me on Twitter at uh, Electrotal, E L E K T R O T A L, or at Girapuri Gears, which is my more magic-focused uh, Twitter feed, uh, which is Girapur G H I R A P U R I G E A R S, Girapur E Gears, um, and. Also, my Tumblr is uh, talenthos.tumblr. I write a lot of articles about magic there. And um, that's pretty much it for right now. Probably right. on a lot of different podcasts where I show up frequently as a guest. Um, yeah, it's cool. Well, uh, yeah. Well, it, so it, was, it was great to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cool. Uh, as a reminder to those of you at home, uh, Tap Tap Concede is brought to you by Card Kingdom at cardkingdom.com slash LRR. Check them out and check for the uh, now the forthcoming Amon Kit yes. value bundles. And also, it's brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at patreon.com 
slash loading ready run. So uh, for Paul and Shivan, I'm Graham, and uh, that'll do it for, for this episode. Bye, everybody.